I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Putus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reed's Cold, and you're listening to Frankson Sci-Fi. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is episode 572 for Sunday, January 24th, 2016. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today, I'm going to take a look at Outland from 1981. It stars Sean Connery, Peter Boyle, and Francis Sternhagen. Before I get into this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to this movie. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then I'll get into the movie. In a mining town, on the second moon of Jupiter... Something deadly is happening. Pretty soon we'll see that this is just like every other mining town. I work these people hard, and I, uh, I'll let them play hard. There's never much trouble. We're all professionals. I'm sure we are. We've only been here two weeks. I got nothing more on that incident in the mine yesterday. It looks like some guy just went wacko. It happens here. How often? I don't know. It just happens here. Why? I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't tell you why. Some people just can't take it here after a while. What's that guy think he's doing? No way it could have been homicide. Had to have been a suicide. 28 in the last six months. Did you do autopsy? No. Then how do you know it was a suicide? There's no other explanation. When a person exposes himself to zero pressure atmosphere, there isn't a whole lot left to inspect. Some 
prisoner. Maybe. Try and meddle, I want you to know what you're meddling with. How do you leave? Dealing with grown-ups here. Marshall, you're dead. If you're the kind of guy you're supposed to be, you wouldn't stick around. That's why they sent you here. Maybe they made a mistake. Outland is a British science fiction thriller written and directed by Peter Hyams. It was released on May 22, 1981. It has a running time of 1 hour and 49 minutes. The special effects for this movie were created by two-time Academy Award winner John Steers. He is best known for creating R2-D2, C-3PO, Luke Skywalker's Landspeeder, the Jedi Knight lightsabers, and the Death Star. The music for this movie was composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith. Outland was filmed at Pinewood Studios on a budget for $16 million. Here's some information about the stars of today's movie. Starting at the top, Sean Connery. He played Federal Marshal William T. O'Neill. He was born Thomas Sean Connery on August 25, 1930 in Edinburgh, Scotland. He is a Scottish actor best known for portraying the character James Bond, starring in seven Bond films between 1962 and 1983. He won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role in The Untouchables. His film career includes such films as Marnie, The Hill, The Man Who Would Be King, The Lion and the Wind, A Bridge Too Far, The Highlander, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. In 1996, he voiced the character of Draco the Dragon in Dragonheart. In 1989, he was named the Sexiest Man Alive by People magazine. In 2000, he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II. He retired from acting in 2006. Next up, Peter Boyle. He played Mark Shepard. He was born Peter Lawrence Boyle, on October 18, 1935, in Norristown, Pennsylvania. He was an American actor who's best known for his role as Frank Barone on the sitcom Everyone Loves Raymond. And he's also known for his role as the comical monster in Mel Brooks' film Young Frankenstein. He won an Emmy Award in 1996 for a guest-starring role on the science fiction series The X-Files. He passed away on December 12th, 2006 at the age of 71. Last but not least, Frances Sternhagen. She played Dr. Lazarus. She was born Frances Hussey Sternhagen on July 13, 1930 in Washington, D.C. She's an American actress who's appeared on and off Broadway, in movies, and on television since the 1950s. She is best known for her role as Esther Clavin, mother of Cliff Clavin, on the long-running sitcom Cheers, 
for which she received two Emmy nominations. And that's all I have for movie information. Now let's get into the movie. The movie opens at a titanium mining facility on Jupiter's moon, Io. Io has no atmosphere and only one-sixth the gravity of Earth. The miners have to wear big, bulky spacesuits to do their work. The first scene of the movie starts with three miners. The first two miners are talking union business, while the third miner named Tarlo believes there's a spider on his leg and rips his spacesuit open trying to get the spider off of him. He immediately dies from explosive decompression. The next scene is in the quarters of the new federal marshal. His name is William T. O'Neill. He lives there with his wife, Carol, and his son, Paul. Marshal, it's Montone. I got nothing more on that incident in the mine yesterday. It looks like some guy just went wacko. The company's having the body shipped back, or what's left of it, immediately on today's shuttle. It's impossible to do an autopsy. Christ, you should have seen that mess. Anyway, uh, definitely no homicide. There were two witnesses right next to him when it happened. It happens every once in a while up here. Uh, some people just let this place get to them. So, uh, that's about it. Oh, yeah, tell your wife that uh, transportation got the tickets for her. And I'll see you when you get to the office. And don't worry, you'll get used to it. What tickets? Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Reynolds, the nice couple from the bakery. They said they wanted tickets for the weekly shuttle for a friend of theirs, so I said I'd see what I could do. Well, I gotta go. See you for dinner, sport. Oh, and remember, seven pages of maths. I promise. You'll be good today. I will. Look, I know this is a lousy assignment. And I know what it is for you, how difficult. Just give it a chance. It won't be so bad. I know. I love you. I love you too. We've only been here two weeks. It'll get better, I promise. I'm gonna go. You smell good. The next scene is at the company meeting where the new marshal introduced himself to the staff of the mining facility. Mark Shepard, the general manager of the mining facility, greets the new federal marshal and welcomes him to the facility. I'd just like to add my welcome to Marshal O'Neill. 
I'm sure we all agree he'll have a pleasant tour. Right now he's just getting started here. Pretty soon he'll see that this is just like every other mining town. There's never much trouble. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> just remember that these men and women work hard, very hard. Since I've been the general manager here, this mine has broken all productivity records. We're on our way to becoming the leading conamalgamate operation. And everyone in this room has received the bonus checks to prove it. Good work only comes from contented people. I work these people hard, and I, uh, I let them play hard. So when it comes time for them to let off steam, you have to allow them some room. As long as no harm's done, just give them a little room. Understand what I'm saying, Marshal? Thanks for the advice, Mr. Shepard. We're all professionals. I'm sure we are. Drop by my office. We'll talk some more. I'll do that. The next scene is in the changing area for the miners. This is the area where the miners put on their spacesuits and fill their tanks before going out onto the surface. A miner named Kane decides he's going outside without a spacesuit. The other miners try to stop him, but it's too late. He gets into the airlock and then the elevator and heads for the surface. The elevator depressurizes and he dies from explosive decompression. In the next scene, O'Neill is back at his quarters to find out that Carol and Paul have left and they are heading back to Earth. But Carol does leave a recorded message for him. I'm trying to keep my composure. And like everything else I do, I think I'm messing this up. I despise these message things. I'm just such a coward. I couldn't look at your face and say what I'm about to say. I just couldn't. If you were in front of me, I'd change my mind. And I don't want to change my mind. I love you. Please know that. I hadn't planned this. I really hadn't. Oh, God. I just can't take it anymore. I suppose that's what it really amounts to. I know we've been over this so many times before. The same crying from me and the same assurances from you that the next place will be different. But it never is different. It can't be. So yesterday, something snapped in me. I just, I just couldn't bear to see Paulie clatter around yet another bleak place. I just couldn't. He's a child. He's never set foot on Earth. Never. He, he looks at pictures and reads books of Earth all day long. He hides them from you so your feelings won't be hurt. Don't you see he deserves a childhood? He deserves a chance to breathe air, real, outside air, where you don't broil or explode, air that smells like life, not like a, a ventilating unit. I'm just not as good as you are. I, I don't think it's all worth it. So... So I'm taking Paulie back home. I love you. You you don't deserve this. You deserve the best. I've just got going on, my love. I'll contact you in a few days from the space station before we finally leave for Earth. The next day during Sergeant Montone's daily briefing, 
there's a report of another mysterious death. Uh, Slater, what about the incident in the mine elevator? Nothing much to tell, Sarge. Some cupcake named Kane decided he didn't need an environment suit. They're still sponging him off the elevator walls. He was alone. Nobody was near enough to have thrown him in. A bunch of guys tried to get into the airlock, except he'd sealed it. No way it could have been homicide. H had to have been a suicide. Did he leave a note? Beg your pardon, sir? Did he leave a note? None that we know of, sir. Then how do you know it was a suicide? There's no other explanation. I mean, he, he knew what he was doing, that's for sure. You can't fall into an airlock and then an elevator. You have to open hatches, press buttons, close hatches. It's just the only explanation. O'Neill wants to know more about the mysterious deaths, so he goes to see the doctor of the mining facility. Are you Dr. Lazarus? Yes, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. That's a doctor joke. Are you the new marshal? Yes. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. I got an alibi. I got four people who swear they were playing poker with me. I've never heard that one before. That's really funny. Sorry. Yesterday, a man deliberately went into the atmosphere without his pressure suit. Yes. A couple of days before that, another man cut his suit open on purpose. It happens here. How often? I don't know. It just happens here. Why? I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't tell you why. Some people just can't take it here after a while. Did you do autopsies? No. Why not? In the first place, the company wanted the body shipped out quickly. In the second place, when a person exposes himself to zero pressure atmosphere, there isn't a whole lot left to inspect. In the third place, you're becoming a nuisance. Yes, I know. I would like a report of all of these incidents that have happened during the past six months. I'd like it really soon, or I might just kick your nasty ass all over this room. That's a Marshall joke. Later, O'Neill is called to the scene of a disturbance involving a woman and a man. A crane operator named Sagan, who has gone berserk and is threatening to kill a woman. Sagan has locked himself and the woman in a room. O'Neill tries to talk the deranged man out of the room, while Sergeant Montone climbs into the ventilation duct above the room. Sergeant Montone then waits for O'Neill's signal to drop down into the room and subdue the man. O'Neill gives the signal, and Sergeant Montone drops from the ceiling, shoots and kills Sagan. The woman is taken to the medical center where Dr. Lazarus examines her. Dr. Lazarus also has the information the marshal asked for earlier. I got that list you wanted. She's bleeding in the abdomen. Why didn't you bring it to my office? I don't make house calls. You do now. Is she going to be all right? Maybe, if you let me do my job. Twenty-eight in the last six months. Wonder how many in six months before that. Twenty-four. I've got initiative. Oh, good for you. You want to know how many in the six months before that? Two. Are you sure? I'm unpleasant. I'm not stupid. Of course, I'm sure. I can count. Well, what do you think? I don't know. Almost everybody here doesn't have both oars in the water, as far as I'm concerned. Why people suddenly start to lose their marbles in greater numbers is not so mystifying. I don't know why more of them didn't do it sooner. Where do they send the bodies? They usually ship them out on the next shuttle. They wrap them up and jettison the body halfway to the station. Burial at sea and all that crap. 
O'Neill finds Sagan's body in a cargo container and takes a sample of his blood. He takes the blood sample to Dr. Lazarus for analysis. Dr. Lazarus examines the sample and finds a deadly narcotic in the blood. This is a drug. You just won a prize. What kind? Some kind of narcotic. Nothing I've ever seen before. Synthetic. Bingo. Polydichloric euthamol. Those stupid bastards are taking polydichloric euthamol. It's an amphetamine. Strongest thing you ever saw. Makes you feel wonderful. You do 14 hours of work in six hours, that kind of nonsense. Especially manual labor. It makes you work like a horse. The army tested it a few years ago. It made everybody work all right. Then it made them psychotic. It takes a while. 10, maybe 11 months. And then it fries your brain. You said it's synthetic. Can it be made here? No. Impossible. It has to have been shipped in. No autopsies. So nobody knows that. The workers are producing more, so the company's making bigger profits. The women about to ask any questions. It's quite a setup. Don't say anything to anybody about this. I did good, didn't I? For a wreck. O'Neill does some investigation and finds out that two mine employees, Spada and Yario, have had prior drug charges and that they were hired by Shepard. O'Neill uses the mine surveillance system to monitor Spada and Yario's movements. O'Neill witnesses a meeting with Spada, Shepard, and Sergeant Montone. Later, during a game of racquetball, O'Neill questions Sergeant Montone about his involvement with Shepard. Don't want to tell me about it? Tell me about what? Shepard. What about him? How deep are you in? Not too deep. I'm paid to look the other way. I get it. You don't do anything bad, you just don't do anything good, right? I'm gonna bust Shepard. Are you serious? Yes. <clears throat> this is no place for heroes. You try to bust him, you're messing with more than you think. You're talking about the general manager. He's a real hotshot with a company. You're talking about big money, you're talking about people and places that... We only know from letterheads. This guy, he is connected with more than just the company. I mean it. There's some serious stuff involved. What will this prove? I'm not trying to prove anything. That stuff they're selling is killing people. What are you going to do with me? I don't know. You want me to resign? No. Just don't come between Shepard and me. Just keep taking your money and looking the other way. I don't want you. I want him.
O'Neill catches Spada making a drug deal, chases him down, and arrests him. O'Neill places Spada in a zero-gravity detention cell and instructs Sergeant Montone that no one is to talk to him. O'Neill then goes to see Shepard to let him know that he's going to take him down. You know something? I can hit a 7-iron 500 yards in this place. Fix yourself a drink. No, thanks. You've been busy. So have you. How much do you want? How much? That's what we need here, a goddamn hero. You know something? I think this rug has a slight break to the left. Let me tell you what you're dealing with here. I run a franchise. The company hires me to dig as much ore as possible out of this hellhole. There's a guy like me on every mining operation all over the system. My hookers are clean, some of them are good looking. My booze is in water. The workers are happy. When the workers are happy, they dig more ore. They get paid more bonus money. When they dig more ore, the company's happy. When the company's happy, I'm happy. Sounds wonderful. Nothing here is wonderful. It works. That's enough. Now, every year, a new marshal comes to start his tour. They all know the score. You know the score. You're no different. If this hero routine is to get your price up, I'll think about it. What are you after? You. <laughs> hey, what is it with guys like you? I mean, if you were such a goddamn super cop, what are you doing on a company mining operation like Isle? They didn't send you here as a reward for your sterling service. You know that, and I know that. I read your record. You got a big mouth. That's why you're sent from one toilet to the next. Me, I don't plan on spending the rest of my life doing this. Well, good for you. Now look, this radio is just silly. You try and meddle, I want you to know what you're meddling with. You got something to prove, prove it to yourself, not to me. I'll see you around. If you're looking for money, you're smarter than you look. If you're not, you're a lot dumber. I'm probably a lot dumber. That can be very dangerous. O'Neill goes back to the detention cell to question Spada, only to find that he has been killed. O'Neill then goes to Sergeant Montone's quarters and finds Sergeant Montone dead. He has been strangled to death. But before being killed, Sergeant Montone left a message for O'Neill, letting him know where the next drug shipment has been hidden. O'Neill finds the drug shipment inside a side of beef. But then Yario tries to strangle O'Neill, but O'Neill tricks him and pretends to be dead. When Yario isn't looking, O'Neill raises up and knocks him out. O'Neill puts Yario in a detention cell and destroys the drug shipment. What's the matter? Sun in your eyes? Well, well, well. It isn't the law. Hey, Shepard, guess what I just found in a meat locker? You know, I have a feeling that you'll tell me even if I don't guess. 250 pounds of hamburger named Yario that works for you. I also found your shipment of PDE. So I threw the hamburger in the jail and the PDE in the toilet. Or was it the other way around? I can't remember now. You've been a busy marshal. Yeah, you're proud of me? 
real proud. Yeah, good shot. Did you really destroy the entire shipment? Yes. You do have a flair for the dramatic. Was it expensive? More than you can ever imagine. Well, it looks like you could be out of business. You know, I've misjudged you. You're not stupid. You're crazy. You think you cause more than an inconvenience? Is that what you think? Why don't you go home and polish your badge? You're dealing with grown-ups here. You're out of your league. Whoever sent you that shipment's going to be mad that you lost it. Grown-ups have no sense of humor. I'd play a firm eight on it. Just swing easy. Marshal. You're dead. You hear me? Shepard calls his drug bosses on the space station to get some help so he can deal with O'Neill. Shepard doesn't know it, but O'Neill has tapped his communications. Nellos, this is Shepard. What the hell's been going on down there? Just a little trouble. I can take care of everything. Just send me a few of your best men. What about the two you had? Just send me the men. I'll have everything straightened out. My people are not going to like this. Do it. Tell them I'll have it all straightened out. When do you need the men? On the next shuttle. I'll see what I can do. I'll call you back later. And here's the response from the drug bosses on the space station. Shepard, this is Bellows. You've got the men you want, and it wasn't easy. My people are very unhappy with you. This could cause trouble for us on all the other mining operations. If the company got wind of what's going on, they'd clamp down like a vice. They can't afford to lose their franchise. That could put my people out of business, and my people like being in business. Tell them not to worry. How good are the men? The best. They've left on the shuttle, arriving Sunday. They have their own weapons? Yes. The target is O'Neill, the marshal here. Jesus, you better not mess this up. I won't. It's your party. Yes, it is. How much help will they have? None. You sure? Yes, I'm sure. No one here will stick their neck out for anyone. Once the word is spread, these guys are pros. There'll be no trouble. I've got someone on the inside who will spread the word. Don't worry. He's a dead man. Shepard, I've got to tell you, if this doesn't work out, the next guys who come for someone will be coming for you. No sweat. I'll call you when it's over. O'Neill now waits until Sunday when the hitmen arrive on the next shuttle. He only has one ally, Dr. Lazarus. That's pretty good. Playing by yourself and losing. I'd join you in this dumb game if I could play sitting down. Yes, I'm well, thank you. Pretty busy. Seems there's some kind of flu going around. You'd be surprised the number of workers who are going to be sick this Sunday. It's your actual epidemic. Are you going to be sick this Sunday? You're looking for sterling character. You're in the wrong place. You know, if you're the kind of guy you're supposed to be, you wouldn't stick around. That's why they sent you here. Maybe they made a mistake. I was afraid you'd say something like that. You really think you're making a difference? Then why, for God's sake? Because... Maybe they are right. They send me here to this pile of shit because they think I belong here. I want to find out if 
if they're right. There's a whole machine that works because everybody does what they're supposed to. I found out I was supposed to be something I didn't like. That's what's in the program. That's my rotten little part in the rotten machine. I don't like it. So I'm going to find out if they're right. Your wife is one stupid lady. You want to go get drunk? Yes. At least you have some sense left. Carol calls O'Neill and tries to persuade him to come back to Earth with her and Polly. Hello there. Hello. I'm doing it again. I've had so much time to prepare what I'm going to say. And here I am looking at your face and my mouth has gone to mush. How's Paul? He's fine. I promised him he could talk to you. He's in the next room. Are you well? I'm okay. Paulie and I... The reservations have come through. We're booked on a flight home. The reservations are for three. That was thoughtful. Please. I can't. Why, for God's sake? I just can't. I wish I could. What is so important? I'm too tired to try to explain. Do you think you're making a difference? Do you think what you're doing is worth giving up your family for? You're a stubborn son of a bitch. Yes. Something's wrong there, isn't it? No. I know you're in some kind of trouble. When you start speaking in sentences of less than two words, you're in trouble, I know it. I'm okay. Damn you. Take care of yourself. The shuttle arrives at the mining facility, and O'Neill asks for some help. I could use a little help. I thought so. You're supposed to protect us. You're the police. It's your job. Where are your men? My men? My men are shit. Two men arrive at the mining facility and begin their search for O'Neill. O'Neill puts on a spacesuit and heads outside of the station to ambush each hitman. With the help of Dr. Lazarus, he kills both hitmen. With both hitmen dead, Shepard's inside man, Sergeant Ballard, Montone's replacement, now tries to kill O'Neill. The two struggle, and O'Neill rips Sergeant Ballard's airline off his helmet and kills him. The next scene, O'Neill finds Shepard in a bar and gives him a good old-fashioned punch to the jaw, knocking Shepard over the table. O'Neill resigns his position and heads to the space station to be with his wife and son, but not before saying goodbye to Dr. Lazarus. How's the arm? It's, uh, it's all right. I was on my way to drinking myself into a stupor, and I thought I'd drop in and say goodbye. You were a good friend. Thank you. 
I should thank you. There hasn't been so much excitement in this heap for some time. Well, I have to go now. So do I. It's going to hit the fan around here, and I want to watch it happen. You did good. So did you. Damn right. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. Outland was the first motion picture to use IntroVision, a variation on front projection that allows foreground, midground, and background elements to be combined in camera as opposed to using optical processes such as blue screen matting. This enables characters to convincingly walk around the miniature sets of the mining colony. Outland's working title was Io, which was later changed because too many people read it as the number 10 or the word low. The mining company is referred to by the name Con Amalgamate. This is the same name given to the company that manufactured the defective life support systems mentioned in the movie Capricorn One. And it's kind of funny because Peter Himes, the director of this movie, also directed Capricorn One. Sean Connery lost a major extended cameo role in Chariots of Fire because this film went over schedule. The script of Outland was originally intended to be set as a western, Peter Himes decided to move it into outer space due to the influence of Alien. Now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I play a game where I try to find a Star Trek connection in every movie I watch. This movie's Star Trek connection is James B. Sicking. He was Sergeant Montone. And Star Trek fans like myself will remember him. He played Captain Stiles of the USS Excelsior, in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. He is best known for his Emmy-nominated role as Lieutenant Howard Hunter on the 1980s NBC television series, Hill Street Blues. He also played the husband to B.B. Beach's character in the television drama, Doing Time on Maple Street. Those Star Trek fans like myself know who B.B. Beach is. She played Dr. Carol Marcus in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And that's all I have for trivia. Here are my comments about this movie. I watched the 1997 DVD release from Warner Home Video. It comes with a widescreen and standard version of the movie. It also comes with a theatrical trailer and some production notes. The picture and sound quality on the DVD are pretty good. I picked up this DVD for 7 or 8 bucks on Amazon. I think the first time I saw Outland was on Showtime in the early 1980s. This is a really good movie. I like it. Uh, It's one of those underrated science fiction movies that flies under the radar. It's definitely High Noon in space. I had to watch High Noon after watching Outland so I could compare the two movies. Sean Connery is definitely Gary Cooper. And instead of the bad guys using the train to get to town, they use a space shuttle. I think Sean Connery did a great job as the marshal. Frances Sternhagen did an excellent job in her role as Dr. Lazarus. Some of the best dialogue in the movie are between Connery and Sternhagen. Peter Boyle was excellent as the sleazy mind general manager. There are a couple of familiar faces in this movie. One of them was John Rasenberger. He was the miner who thought he had a spider on his leg. He would go on to play Cliff Clavin on the long-running sitcom Cheers. Another familiar face was Stephen Burkhall. 
He was the crane operator who wanted to kill the woman. He would go on to play the villain in Rambo First Blood. He played the Russian colonel. He would go on to play a Russian general in Octopussy. And he would go on to play Victor Maitland in Beverly Hills Cop. I liked the look of the movie. The special effects were great. They look a little dated now, but I like practical effects over CGI effects any day. I liked the way the mining facility looked. It looked like an oil rig out in the Gulf of Mexico. It had that grimy, gritty industrial look like the Nostromo did in Alien. And speaking of the Nostromo, this movie and Alien could be in the same universe. They had that same kind of feel. As far as we know, Con Amalgamates could be a subsidiary of Whalen yutani Who knows? The story isn't original. It's been done a million times before. It's a Western in space. You have an honest sheriff who's outgunned by a gang of outlaws. That's the story in a nutshell. But it's definitely worth watching, and I would recommend it to all science fiction fans. On a scale from 1 to 10, I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. And those are my comments about this movie. That's it for this week's podcast. Before I wrap up this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Rico will be back next week on the podcast with Chris and Meds, and they will take a look at Series 9 of Doctor Who. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, everyone take care. This is M5, signing off. Trucks in Sunrise.